Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, my name's Jonathan Harden and I'm talking like I've come back after a break, but I've been standing in my cellar this whole time. This is episode two of the Honest Actors podcast sponsored by Today Ticks. But before we can hear the interview, a word from our sponsors. If you want great offers on theatre tickets, access to day seats on your mobile and exclusive front row lotteries, you need Today Ticks, the ticketing app that lets you see theatre differently. To get tickets with no queues and no fuss, download Today Ticks now on the App Store and Google Play. Here it is, episode two with Emma Lyons. Enjoy. How did you start in the business? Or more specifically, how did you start in acting? Well, um, I, were quite, I, was, I was quite a self-conscious child, actually. Quite shy, really. Um, although people who know me will probably laugh at that, because once I got to high school, I, didn't, I completely changed my personality and became like someone who never stopped talking. But when I was about seven-ish, eight, um, my school was chosen to be in Carmen um, as the choir. So the little kids that sing about matadors and stuff in Carmen. And I was kind of just in the choir. And I didn't really know what was going on. Like, we'd rehearse in, at school, like, the songs. And then we got taken to this theatre. And I just remember... Um, the woman playing Carmen stood in the wings with her hands on her hips. She must have been doing breathing exercises, now I think back. And me thinking she looked like really confident and sassy and cool and beautiful and thinking, God, who's that person? And then like we were doing all these rehearsals and she was singing and I got chosen to be on stage in like an extra scene. And then I just remember we had to do it all. Like we were told, we got to, you know, go on, 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 you know, we got to do it all. And then there, at the end, hearing this clapping, but it was black, you know, because, like, you can't see. Yeah. And I I kind of had known my mum and dad were going to be there, but it was loud, you know, like, there was a lot of people. And I just remember coming off stage and saying to my teacher, do people get paid to do that? And I saying, yeah, and me thinking in my head, that's what I want to do. But I never told anybody until I got cast in Annie when I was 17 as Miss Hannigan. I think someone else on your podcast has been a Miss Hannigan. Yeah, there's quite a few Miss Hannigans. There's a few uh, artful dodgers. Yeah, and, and that was when, for the first time, people said to me, oh, you're quite good at this. And, and I kind of thought, yeah. And so I said to my dad, um, 
I think I want to be an actor because I was all primed to go to university to do English. And and he sort of said, okay, like if you're going to do it, you've got to do it properly. Um, let's like you better, you better try to go to RADA because it was literally like the only place that he'd ever heard of, a drama yeah. school that he'd ever heard of. So you were the 17-year-old one assumes with quite a bit of natural talent at this point, which hasn't really in any way been corralled or trained or brought out of you. Much. Yeah, a tiny bit. Something. Like, um, all I knew was that I sound so pretentious, but like that my soul responded to artistic things. Um, and 100% I've got that from the Lowndes family. Right. Though none of them are artists. But my, but my dad and my mom, behind closed doors, was like, go and do it. Then when I looked into drama schools and I looked at, at all the, like the, in fact, I didn't, I didn't apply to many. I didn't get in either, um, any of them. Um, seeing how much money it was and me panicking, having like this panic. And dad just saying to me, mum and dad just saying, let's just cross that bridge when we come to it. As you'll know, um, we don't talk about jobs. Hooray. Yeah, <laughs> but we do talk about you know everything else. But what I'm going to ask, and I've asked everybody, is if you could have one job that stands for you. For the people who don't know who you are, but also just to say, this is the kind of work that I, I wish I could do every day, or you know that one thing that that stands out. Okay, so there was a turning point for me, in many ways, because um, when I first left drama school, I. I'd, I'd had particularly strange casting, unusual casting in my third year, um, playing things like Turkish men and street kids and stuff like that. And then it was only in the final show at RADA that I was given um, like the main part. And so I rang frantically all the big agents and said, please, please come. And the general answer on the phone was, so I don't know who you are. If I've not picked you up by now I'm unlikely to know who you are Fuck. Um, sorry but I'm not coming to RADA when everybody's about to leave RADA good luck goodbye and it was really it was bleak at every call and every so it was oh, like it grim. was it was tumbleweed so in the end um, my principal stepped in and actually rang an agent and said please take this person who slipped through the net because I was leaving with no agent and I'd got myself weekly rep theatre so I was starting at the bottom. So to jump to a play that is important for me is having kind of ferried around, scrabbling around, almost really writing letters myself and doing weekly rep stuff and trying to create my own work. Um, I wanted to work at the Royal Exchange in Manchester because it's my hometown and I was kind of desperate to find a way and I had this little agent in Manchester. Well, she's not little, she's lovely, but, you know, this agent in Manchester and she rang me and she said... I've thought of this way that maybe we'll get you into the Manchester Royal Exchange. They have these things called covers and that they read the book. If somebody's ill, they go on and they read from the book. So I go to the Royal Exchange, I do a modern and a classical, and they say to me, straight there, can you sing? And I go, uh, well, and they go, just say yes. I went, yes. They said, right. And a few months later, I got an audition for Port by Simon Stevens and got it. And it was a part where the character never leaves the stage. And it's a part now, which is quite, it's much better known, obviously, that's its, it's first... Because of Kate O'Flynn. Yeah, so it's the first, yeah. first production of it. It was a 10-year kind of anniversary of 
when yeah. I did it at the Royal Exchange. And it was just, what was really amazing was the way I'd kind of got the job, yeah. followed by Manchester. I mean, this is the truth of this, right? Okay. So at this point in time, I'm working in French Connection in Croydon. <laughs> I haven't worked for months. And I was in like French Connection when I got the call and they said, Emma, there's somebody on the phone for you on like the landline. I was like, who is it? You know, and they said my agent's name and I was nearly shaking, thinking, oh my God, please. And when she said it, I just was like, yes, in the middle of like the shop, yeah. I'm leaving French Connection. You yeah. know, like, oh, it was just dead exciting. And then to just have all my mates from Manchester and it was just a special thing. Um Going to get straight into the kind of uh, the the meat of it now, having talked about how you get into it and the thing you're most proud of. Um, do you enjoy the process of auditioning for work? No, because I'm still self-conscious, struggle with that. I try my best in an audition. Obviously, everybody tries the best in an audition. Sometimes I wish I could just hand them my showreel. You know what I mean? I think that would be just so much easier if I just was like, hi, this this is me and um, you know the accent that you want me to do? I can do that yeah. with a dialect coach because look at my look yeah, at my CV yeah, look so I've you done. can see that yeah. I can do accents. There they are. But that's not how it works. They want to see you in the room. No. So yeah. in the room then, yeah. Emma, in the room, uh, what happens? What happens that, that prevents you from doing the things that you could do on your showreel? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do it in the room, um, and I always know when I do, and and very often when I do, I get I get the job, and that's 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 the truth. Other times I come out just going, oh, didn't I wasn't I wasn't in it I wasn't in the moment I wasn't in it. You does know, it, does it affect you then for the rest of the day, no. the week? Gone. Always been like that, been able to just yeah. drop it. Don't worry about me. I don't get upset by being told no. Is there something that happens in the room outside of your control that dictates whether or not it's going to be a good audition? I.e., is there something, for anybody that's listening, it isn't an actor, i.e. a director or a producer or a casting director, is there anything those people can do to make that experience less traumatic or to get the best out of actors, which, let's face it, is in everybody's interest? Exactly, yes. Um... Yes. Be nice to us. Well, it is nice, is good. Um, but that isn't always what determines whether I do do it crappily. Um, I've gone in with people that I've known, like directors I've worked with. I did an audition recently um, with a director I've worked with twice. Um, and, well, I'm saying recently, I'm doing that actor thing recently, six months ago. <laughs> You know that I thing. love it. Every time I do yes, it. Yes, last week when I was meeting at the National. I mean, but sometimes it's, sometimes it's genuine, um, though. Sometimes it's just because... Time just like, goes. Well, also, if you do, say, I mean, I'll say, say you do an audition on average, say once a month, right? I'm lucky if right. I get an well, audition Well, say you do it once a month, a month right? Um, in a way, in between that, the time is just your life, right? So you don't... Yeah. So in a way, like three auditions ago might be three months ago but it's only three auditions ago yeah, so, so it, it seems, seems really it seems like last recent, week. really recent so i'm defending myself here because i've done that so i must have said after we did the show i must have said for two years 
I've just done this play. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just didn't, and, and, and yeah. as I was saying it, it, it wasn't intentional. It was never that. I just never updated my phrase. No. You know, I just, it was, and it's best just to keep it like that. Just yeah. recently. Just I mean, recently. I just recently. Doing that. Yeah, so I, li- I literally just recently had an, had an audition with a director I've worked with twice in an environment I've, I've been in several times. But I put so much pressure on myself going, oh, God, you know, she'll really expect X, Y, and Z off me, and they'll really expect this, and, and you know, this is something I should be able to do, do, you know. And I just just went like, you know, when, you, when your tongue goes two sizes too big for your mouth, <laughs> do you know that thing? Where I was sat there going, my tongue is two sizes too big for my mouth. Well, you've lost it when you're thinking that. It's, it's like, literally, you know. I'm literally, and then I'm having that inner dialogue, you know, that actor in a, in a monologue where when I'm reading the script and I'm trying to do it really, really well. But in my head, I'm going, when will my tongue return to its normal size? Please, Emma, stop looking, stop, calm down. What are you doing down. with your arms, yeah. Emma? What are you doing yeah, with your arms? I was having that whole thing of like, oh my God, you know, like, you're, you're looking you're looking nervous you're meant to be really relaxed relax your body relax your body relax you're looking your... at them too much you're oh looking at them oh my god you're not and looking it was at them literally enough, like what the hell have i just done but this you know this this and then i had this i had this other meeting similar time where the director had clearly similar time or like six months before <laughs> yeah probably another like falling through all <laughs> at least five years ago um where the director had obviously, well, I'm saying this because it makes me feel better, already cast it in his head. And he literally walked in late. I was like, hi, nice to meet you. Stood up from my chair, you know, shook his hand. He could barely look at me. He sat down and he went, right, go on then. Jonathan, do you know what happened to me? Reverting back to my wife. Seven minutes. Do you know what he did? Do you know what the director did? After he'd gone, go on then. So I did the first scene. He went, is there another one? I went, yeah. Is there another one? It, I did it. He then leant over to the casting director and said, so how many, how many um, scenes are we, do, does she have here? How many have we got to? And she went, four. She went, oh, he went, oh, suppose you best do the other two then. And I literally, my, so then, oh, right now, my accent's going on like that, governor. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> literally, I'm like losing the accent. Because you're now thinking, should I get up and walk out? Should and I, I say something? I this wanted, is... my whole being wanted to go, do you know what, mate? Just, just let, just Juggle. let me go out of the room. Just, just tell me after the first scene, thank you. Or, or say to me, um, I'm so sorry, Emma, but I found someone yesterday. But I can't say anything because I've got this casting director that I like and a, and a producer that I like. And I'm kind of like, oh, back against the wall, Jonathan. You've already said you, you know when audition's gone well. Um, yeah. Before you go in, um, are you looking around the room at other people? Do you, are you aware of certain actors who you're up against um, occasionally? What I try to do is walk around the exterior arrive, of the building. a second before you yeah, need to. Yeah, I try to do that. Um, I'm, I really don't like um, seeing who I'm up against. And I really appreciate casting directors that um, alternate the casting day, the casting of the parts. So, so that, different parts. Yeah, so You're that, sitting with a guy in his 60s. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, old. yeah. I like that. I think it's really yeah, yeah. kind of respectful to how, what we're going through. But I've got like my usual bunch of guys, you know, that I see and... We're, we're on the level now where we're, we're mates, you know, like... 
An agent once told me, it's that point in the interview, it's the agent once told me question. Uh, an agent once told me that an actor is only ever truly happy in the five minutes after they get a job and then the self-doubt kicks in. Do you recognise yourself in that? And if you do, or if you don't, what other kind of things do you worry about from minute number six onwards to press night and beyond? Um, sorry, that was the weirdest noise. <laughs> no. I should say, by the way, an agent contacted me to say, was that me? And I had to say, no. Somebody contacted me and went, I, <laughs> I listened to the podcast, that, that thing about, did I say that to you? And I had to go, mm, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's because they all have the same phrases. Yeah. Like they've gone in a completely different direction. Yeah, I mean, I want, they've just got in a different direction, another direction. Then you go to watch the part, the play or whatever, and it's somebody is more or less your doppelganger playing. I, I would love to know what uh, what happens in the gap between a, a direct, a casting director's feedback and an agent's feedback, because obviously there must be some level of interpretation that goes on. Because I, I would like to think a lot of the stuff is just sometimes your your agent kind of protecting you, trying to get, yeah, let you down, let you down gently, gently right? Yeah. So there may have been zero feedback. Yeah. Your agent might think, Emma likes feedback. I'll give her a bit of feedback. Well, yeah, well, I, I tend to like, I won't ring and hassle because I went out with an agent for a long time. So you know. So I have the in on this that he actually said to me once, um, if actors stopped ringing me up, asking me if there's anything happening, I'd be able to actually find out if there was anything happening. And if they stopped asking me, have I got the job, I'd be able to ring all the people that have got the job and tell them we got quicker. So I kind of try really hard not to do that. Um, but yeah, the five minutes after being told you've got the job, I don't get, I don't, I don't worry then. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm really pleased and excited. Um, but then I get, I do get worried. Um, the, the sort of. Um, build up to press night. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I usually have my mid rehearsal dip where I think everything I'm doing is absolutely terrible. But now I recognise. Oh, I'm in the mid rehearsal dip. I'm in the, you know. And then the tech, the tech bit, which is so much fun because you're hanging out with all your mates all day and it's brilliant, isn't it? And then everyone has like chocolates and everything. But along along with the brilliantness of that, I start to quietly shit myself then. Like re and r really shit myself because of the responsibility of um, I kind of feel the weight of honouring the writer's words to deliver all the nuances and detail that that the director, as di along with the company, have found in the rehearsal room. So I feel like I really want to try and try and be in the moment of that and nail that and be present and listening and and really, you know, there for my fellow actors on stage. Um, and I get nerves on and off throughout an entire run of something, even when I've been doing it for, for months, I can suddenly feel n very nervous before I go on. Do you, do you play the fantasy game? Oh, um, what's that? So whatever. Is this, is well, this no, about acting here, Jonathan? I'd like, well, I mean, yes, officially. Yes, we do. Officially. Uh, <laughs> it may, we, well, let's see. Um, so. I used to do this, I don't anymore, but whenever you audition for a job, do you play the, when I get this job? And, and also, oddly, I used to do, when I get this money. 
this is what it's going to be like. This is what I'm going to spend the money on. This is what it's going to lead to. You know, do you play that game or do you just, as you said, with emotionally when you walk out of an audition, do you just shut down and not think about it again? Um, yeah, I play the game. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, um, oh, I'm letting everyone into my secrets now. I don't know whether I should do this. Um, yeah, what I, what I do is I try to just imagine me doing the job. So I don't go beyond the job. I don't like think of me, oh, and then this could lead to this and this and this. I don't do that so much, but I just really imagine, try to imagine myself on set or on stage or, you know, really like playing the part. And that's when the magic happens in your imagination. You've already talked a little bit about luck, as in that whole experience at the Manchester Royal Exchange. We can, we, we can acknowledge, I think, there's luck at play in that. Mm -hmm. How important uh, you know, 13 years on from that, do you think luck uh, is in your career, other people's careers, in the industry as a whole? How important is luck? I don't know. I don't know because I'm not... I d People talk about, about this a lot and lots of actors say, oh, the, there's a few elements that are needed and luck's one of the elements, but I'm not entirely sure what... I'm not entirely sure what that is. And I say that because... There's a few act actresses out there now that are famous now and the, their break, what, what would be defined as their big break, have all been jobs I was asked to do and couldn't do, right? And that's the truth, that's, that's true. And because I've been busy or whatever. <sighs> and, but there is nothing to say that if I'd have done that job, that would have been my big break. Of course. They had course. something that they had in them when they did that job that allowed it to be their big break. Um, now, some people could say, well, they were lucky they got that job because, you know, you were working or... And I mean, I'm going, I'm going back in time now, Jonathan, to when yeah, I was yeah. busy. <laughs> you yeah. know, when I was busy and I, was, and, I, and I had a little... I had a flurry of, of um, opportunities that were coming my way because I was sort of late 20s and, that, and things kind of happen sometimes when you're around that age. Um, but, but I was never, I always felt happy for them because you can never, you can never hundred percent know that had you done that part, it would have happened for you. It could happen. Like you hear about people being in fringe shows and then just being plucked from obs obscurity, but maybe they're just destined yeah. to do it. And it's not just about that. They happen to get that job that because somebody couldn't, do you, get, well, just, well, do you well, know it, what I mean? Because you're. I absolutely do. I think it's a great answer. But because it's different to most of the answers I've had, I'm going to ask you a different question. Can you get to that point by hard work alone? Um, I hope so. For my sake and other actors out there. Because I still want to work. I still want to be working. Um, I, I, I don't want it to be to be a, a declining road for me. Um, well, how much control do you think we, we have? Because this is something I think that, um, for me anyway, I used to do different things. I, I came to acting quite late, so I did different things yeah. before it, where I had control. Yeah. So where I could decide to do things, I could start things up. And I suppose with the podcast, it's that kind of hangover of, I need to make something myself that I control and I, and I decide when it goes out. How much control do you think any of us can exercise over our own careers. What can we do? do? What do you do 
say you're not working, you're at home. What kind of things do you do to try and, <clears throat> excuse me, to try and take control? Oh, you're talking to just the most laziest person in the world. When it comes to self-promotion, I do nothing. Do you write letters? No. Do you write emails? No. I've lied then. Do you send Christmas cards? No. Birthday cards? No. Postcards? No. Business cards? No. Um, I don't Facebook. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do LinkedIn in uh, all of that. I've lied because I sent a director of a letter who I wanted to work with when I was straight out of, out of RADA and I've written to him three times in my career because he's somebody I just desperately want to work with. Um, but that's it. And it's really bad, isn't it? And no, then, not at all. <laughs> and not then at I'm all. going, I've not had an audition for five months. I just want the, I just, I'm, I just pray that people that have seen me do anything or work with me, I just pray that they remember and that they, they trust and believe that I can do it again and that they maybe just think of me and that my agent's doing their job and, put, and, and suggesting me and reminding people. I think there's something really lovely about not being involved in that. It makes you old school. I'm old school. It makes, it makes, you, it makes you, I bet Maggie Smith doesn't write to people. She bet doesn't you, need bet to. she's not on Twitter. She doesn't need to be Bet you she does on Facebook every Sunday night no. to say, check me out in Downton tonight, no, lads. But you know who does. 124 likes. <laughs> next, next big question, and this is uh, the one that, in a way, uh, I think everybody dreads, but oh I think it's one, of the, it's one of the beautiful moments in the podcast, I hope. Uh, how long is the longest that you've went without work? Now, Jonathan. So how long are we talking? Uh, just over six months. Right. Now, you say that with the heaviest. I mean, on the way up the stairs, you said, he got me at this point, like it's the longest I've been at work. <laughs> six months, by all accounts, isn't... Just over. It's not it. Just over as in three years. Yeah, <laughs> just over as in... In actors years, in actors years. Five years, Jonathan. Just over six no, months. No, I think it's about so coming you, up to eight months. But I think there'll be people listening for whom that seems like, you know, that's... I, I, I mean, I'm being obnoxious, actually, because I could have I could have worked. So you've turned down a job in that time? Um, I've t I had to turn down two um, jobs. One, because I was getting married and, and in the summer, so I, and it was abroad. So I literally, and it was booked, <laughs> you know, it was people were coming. <laughs> To the wedding so um understudy um yeah yeah but yeah and then i've just had to unfortunately i'm unable to do something else that, oh, that i was asked to do because it because of my little girl how does that feel um well it feels i'm stuck not that bad at first i was okay because i've got a little girl who's four um so i in, in fact, it's not been the longest I've not been unemployed because I was unemployed for 18 months because I took maternity leave to, to be with Martha till she was one and a half. Um, so I have her, um, but, but it's only recently started to, 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 to pull at me that um, I need to, I need to, do, to, to be creative. Um, 
it's just something just missing from my life and a catharsis that I, I it's like a catharsis for me acting it's it's just an expression it's like an expression of me so I, I, I kind of get a bit yeah I don't know a bit yeah I'm missing it I'm missing it now Buy tickets to the best theatre in London the new way. With the Today Ticks app, getting great offers and access to exclusive tickets has never been easier. With Today Ticks Rush, you won't have to queue at the box office for hours to get day seats, and you can access big savings with their lotteries for shows like Kinky Boots and The Bodyguard. Download Today Ticks, the theatre ticket app, from the App Store and Google Play, and see theatre differently. How has having Martha, who's now four, right? Yeah. How has having Martha changed your attitude to your career? Well, it has. It has because, you know, like, I'm more, I'm sort of more selective over things that go up for. Um, It's a really weird thing. I was thinking about it the other day because I can remember before having Martha, um, going for doing a play reading at the National actually, and um, at the time, um, s- someone was doing a play there, and she just had she just had um, kids and, and twins, and the twins were literally weeks old, and she was on stage, and I can remember um, um, talking to the casting director about it and going, oh my god, that's ace, you know, like wow, and 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 her saying to me like, you'll be one of them, you'll pop them out, and you'll be back on like the next week, and me going like, yeah. And then I had Martha and look and just literally I'd said to my agent, just give me six months. Um, I'll probably be before that, but just let's say six months. And I remember like just being with her and it coming up to around six months and about five months getting some audition suit and just just every bit of me thinking, oh, no, oh, no, like I'm just not ready. And then it, six months becoming a year and then a year becoming 18 months. Um, and then feeling like I had to make a decision about whether I wanted to be an actor or not, because if I left it any longer, I was in danger of really falling off the radar. So I had to kind of like pull the actor out of myself again. You know, it was a risk, but I felt at that time for me, it was a risk worth taking because I didn't feel, because it was important to me. You know, for some actresses, it's more important to go back to work because that makes them happier and therefore they're a better mum. For me, it was more important to be at home with, with Martha. And also, and in a strange way, then that makes me a better actor, if you see what I mean. But that's all personal. No way's right, no way's wrong. And you have to have the, all the things in place, all the elements in place to be able to be fortunate enough to do that. Um, so we weren't scrappling around for food at that time, you know. Um, if we had been, I might have made a different decision and gone back earlier and tried to fight for a job or, and then seeing how we get by and so, juggle around. So what about the decisions you make now? You said you're more selective or you were more selective then for which auditions you go to. Is that based on, obviously, I imagine something to do with where it is. You don't want to be touring. Yeah. It's, uh, you don't want to, there's certain types of jobs now usually, that you just don't want to do. Yeah, well, it, it is. It, 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 I'm going through a bit of a frightened stage because I'm I'm frightened at the moment because it's the longest I've never I've I've not worked for and and I'm really really hyper aware of all the things I've not gone up for because I've kind of weighed them up at home and gone oh actually I don't think I can do that or I don't know whether that's going to work at that time 
my husband now is like a jobbing actor back out there again, fighting again, you know, and he'll get a job and then we have to schedule that in. And, you know, oftentimes, um, a lot of my work was theatre, but oftentimes it's not paying that well. And um, so then you're going, you look, you're looking at the, the breakdown that comes through and you're saying to yourself and you're talking it through at home and you're saying, well, okay, so this is a job that takes me all around the, the country and I'm probably going to get paid about £400 a week. And you've already been told you've got a job. So um, what do we do with Martha? How much is the childcare? And you're losing money to do it. You're like yeah. losing money. And you're not even seeing your family. You're not seeing yeah. them. And, and um, oh, it's very hard, Jonathan. But then you, it really makes you aware of the jobs you really, 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 really want to get. Because I've gone to Prague and done a job. And I jumped on that plane and went to Prague because I wanted yeah. to do that yeah. job, you know. So it makes you kind of know, like, I really want to play this part. And actually, mum, dad, hi, can you help me? You know, it's kind of that thing. Um, but um, do you, uh, what's, what's the weirdest thing you've done? You know, obviously, in between now, in my life. you, you look, at, you look after your daughter. What's the weirdest thing you've done in between jobs uh, to pay the bills? <sighs> Oh, um, oh <laughs> the weirdest thing I've done in between jobs to pay the bills was quite early on when I worked at Waterstones. Now, that's not a weird thing. In itself, as in of itself, Waterstones seems but, like a nice gig. But what is a weird thing to have done is to, have, to hide behind the desk at Waterstones because somebody from RADA walked in. I hid. I literally hid. How bad is that? So many staff or students. Someone who'd been two years above me at RADA came in. This is like when I'd first left RADA and had this strange idea in my head that, you know, you're supposed to leave and immediately be amazingly successful. I, I always think, you know, if I want to look like an actor sometimes for auditions, I put on like a three-quarter length tweed jacket, oh, yeah. a pair of brogues, a pair of brogues. And I call it my actor costume. Yeah. Whenever I'm going to the audition <laughs> where I feel like not training has it might be an issue. I dress like I'm a, I'm a RADA graduate. Yeah. What I think a RADA graduate dress yeah. like. So I I basically go into town, whisk my like float into town. Oh yeah, float. Like. Float into town, you know, and and uh, and just I, I but I feel like such a twat as I'm walking through the streets where I live in in, in Tooting. I'm like people are looking at me going, who the fuck does that guy think he is? Like I look like Withnail. Like I yeah. basically dress as Withnail. I'm a trained actor. You know what I mean? The states of a bum. Yeah, exactly. That's where you know. So I always think, like, God, it's so sad that you kind of make those. Yeah, false I hate. I mean, it's so ridiculous. I wouldn't hide now. If I was in Waterstones now and someone came in, I'd literally just gone. No, I've not worked for ages. But it was that innocent there is a, there is, early yeah, days. Yeah, there is a bit of that. I worked in a call centre, which was so horrific. I walked out after a week because it was just immoral. I got my coat. Did one. What's the most difficult thing about being an actor? Oh. For me, it isn't the rejection. I can cope with that. What what I don't what what bothers me is not getting a not not getting a casting. I find it hard when I'm not being seen for stuff. I don't find it as hard when I don't get stuff. Um because I just hope that at some point, it will, my, like, I'm going to have to use the word luck, even though I said I didn't know whether I believed in it. My luck will change. But, like, or I believe that at one point, 
you know, if I just keep on doing the, going and doing my thing, that at some point the thing I do will be required by the other person. Because it was a, like one of the people you interviewed made the point about like you just have to go in and present yourself and what you do and then that's as much as you can do and I'm quite all for that. Um, but it's the not getting the castings, but I, and obviously, you know, the erratic nature of the work and the fact that the money's up and down and all the other things that I'm sure everybody yeah. said. Um, but but I don't know, I just sort of, I've been doing it quite a long time now, so it becomes a bit more easy to handle. But I remember like someone telling me um, that, that an, a casting director for every part that they cast will get a, approximately 2,000 submissions, about 2,000 and we'll probably only see between about five and ten people. And so somebody said to me a while ago, it's a success even just to get a casting. Just even to have, a, even to have an audition, you've succeeded. One of the questions I don't ask everybody is, have you been aware of things being more difficult for you because you're a woman? Ah, well, isn't that interesting? Hmm, there's a lot going on about this at the minute and few of us clattering our jewellery about it yeah um me included yeah um and and the talking at the moment mainly about wage transparency and stuff like that although I haven't I work a lot as I said in the theatre so I don't s see that so much in the theatre because there's usually a rather lovely and equal company wage in the theatre but I have definitely definitely suddenly become aware of like and being being the age I am just like the my castings just just dropping like the amount of castings I get just m massively dropped um just just because there's not that many parts for like like people my age um my playing age being probably between about 35 and 40 I'd say um and unless you're kind of one of the select few and we know who they are, so I don't need to list them, you know, who just constantly get all those meaty, meaty female roles on screen particularly, I'm talking, because I'd still like to hope I'm thought about in the theatre. But, like, yeah, it's it just, just not, not represented. Like, like, you know, women aren't as represent, aren't as represented. And also what, what annoys me is, like, Jay, my husband, he gets cast... Um, often in romantic -y parts or people that have like partners and the partners are always like 25 25, 25. you know I say I make jokes to them saying well I would never be considered to be put with you even though I'm seven years younger than him yep because the people that I put with him are a good 10 or 15 years younger than me yep I wouldn't even be considered to play opposite my own husband because I'm too old um the podcast somebody noticed for the first time last week, and I was delighted, has a guy for every girl, or vice versa, depending on how you look at it. Mm. Because when I started 50 -50, it, I decided to have a quota. I thought mm. the only way, because one of the interesting things was I made a list of you know people I'd worked with, and the list had three times as many men as women. Mm. Because surprise, surprise, mm. I've worked with three times as many men as women yeah and so had I left at the chance the podcast would have been 75% men and 25% women yeah so what I want to ask is do you think that the industry needs to have quotas 
Well, it, again, this is something that's been talked about quite a lot and, and people are starting to speak out now. You see, women are frightened. We're all scared, you know, all of us, all those actors are scared. What little we have <clears throat> is so, is so uh, va valuable to us, eh, but also we feel so tenuously held. Yeah. Like, we always feel like it's just, we're a hair's breadth away from, yeah. from ruin. Yeah, so we're, at the minute, a few women actors. Um, are coming together to talk about this exact issue, to talk about equal pay, opportunities, representation, and even and even us coming together, you know, we're saying to each other privately, are you a bit nervous about this? Yeah, I'm a bit nervous about this. Well, what are we going to do? Are we going to stay nervous? Or are we going to say something? You know, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm like getting a bit more like, let me well say something. Disney films, you know, pretty little young girl, wicked witch, no other women, even in crowd scenes, only about 20% women represented in crowd scenes. I mean, it's across the board like that, you know, and there are more women in, in the acting world trying to do it than there are men. Yeah. When you audition to get into drama school, you're already at a disadvantage as a woman because there's so many more girls that do drama, that do, do acting. Because we're telling our little boys that acting it, is for it, girls. Exactly. So you've got the, the absolutely flip side of the coin in the, in the real world because there's probably 75% uh, um, people who consider themselves to be performers, actors, dancers, singers, women. And yet, so then we're fight, you know, but we've all, we've all said to each other, you know, we've got we to gotta get each other's backs, girls. So uh, you've mentioned earlier you thought about giving up uh, or thought at least considered, is this what I should be doing when you had Martha? Oh, yeah. Um, have you ever seriously considered giving up outside of that for different reasons? Um, <laughs> say it all the time. <laughs> well, not all the time. I say it a good every few months to either um, my husband or my mum. I'm just, I'm going to give up. I'm, I'm going to give up. And my, the usual response to my mum is, all right, love. And then usually a job comes and I go, guess what, I've got this job. And she's like, I thought you were going to give up. No, I don't ever mean it. I don't ever mean it. It's usually when I want validation and I want a bit of a bolster. And I only ever say it to my mum and Jay, kind of like, I think I'm going to give up because I want them to go, no, you can't because you, you know, you're really destined to do this. But then, of course, they don't ever say that because they know me and they just go, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Have you seen many friends do? Yeah, breaks my heart. I don't know why a little bit of me just, I want to take them in my arms and have them weep on my shoulder. Is it partly because... And I, because so I know that they, it, it, I know usually it's breaking their heart and they usually do it when they have a family and they just can't keep cracking on anymore. And, oh, it's, yeah. There are psychologists who say that one of the reasons why people cry at funerals is because it reminds them that they're going to die. Um, is there something in that whenever you see other people give up? Is it partly about a fear within yourself? that that could, but for the grace of God, on another day, that could, that could have been you? I no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think it's just because the few people that, that have given up, that I've known. I, I mean, I remember one, one friend of mine telling me she was giving up to teach drama and, um, in a school, and she was... She was fighting back tears it was it was so obviously like breaking a heart um i just i just felt 
it's such a thing in your soul, isn't it? You know what I'm saying. You wouldn't do this. It, you're, it's you wouldn't do this. It sounds so, you know, to people who 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 aren't artists, they'll think I'm talking wank. Thankfully, <laughs> not many of them listen. No, hopefully not, because <laughs> you've. I think you, you're born with an artist's soul, you know, and it's just and it's and it's just inside your very core of your being. So it makes me feel very sad when people people leave it because that part of you doesn't doesn't go away. So they're they're sacrificing part of their soul and it makes me feel sad. What would you do if you weren't an actor though? I don't know. Well, why haven't you given up? What's I mean, you've talked about being transported. Um, and this is one of those moments where as an interview I'm asking a question which I kind of already heard the answer to like throughout little other bits because it's quite obvious that it means everything to you. I haven't, ge- I haven't given up because the few times of my life where I've really thought should I consider giving up because either I've had a big long gap or just, you know, worried about security or whatever, I've usually got a job that has been great, you know, um, and starts the, starts the positive cycle all over again. Has acting also influenced who you are? So has there been, you've obviously, you've become an actor because that's who you are, but have you been aware of jobs that have changed who you are, that have kind of, you know, altered you in some way? Um, a teeny bit, every job I do. I play kind of like a lot of emotional parts and sometimes quite like you know damaged damaged parts or whatever and um, I was aware that I'd done an awful lot of anxious parts and then I was aware recently a couple of years ago after doing ours actually I thought I need to now tell my agent I need a break I need a break because I was worried the anxiety was was starting to um, just stick around a bit too long and I just thought I need to actually try and get a part where I'm strong I mean, actually, that's just happened naturally because I haven't worked, so I've just been able to to re reground reground myself. But yeah, I'm terrible for that. I need to really watch it. Um, do you consider yourself successful? Oh God, <laughs> not at the minute, Jonathan. Have you ever thought at any moment? Have you <sighs> no, ever thought? I never have. Actually, I've said that, and no, no. If you went back to drama school and said, "Okay, Emma, as you come out of Rada, this is the career you'll have," if you handed young Emma your your spotlight CV. I'd be pleased. Would you think, oh, I'm successful? I'd be pleased, yeah. Because actually, at RADA, we were asked, um, Nate, like, what do you think you want to achieve? And it went round the room and people were saying things like, I want to be the next Kenneth Branagh and la 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 blah, 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 blah. I want to be in Hollywood. And I said, I want to work. I said, I want to do... Um, work with Mike Lee, um, work at the RSC and the National in a lead part and and do a Northern television series and I've done them all. Excellent. So I'm pretty pleased. So you'd look at that, if on the way out of that particular class someone went, <coughs> come here a second, I want to show you your CV in 13 years time, you'd have been like, fuck! I'd go, yeah. Um, I've just, one more question on that theme. Um, 
if you could go back and offer that younger person advice for the future, uh, what might you say to her to shortcut some of the anxieties, you know, uh, difficulties that you've had along the way since then? I think I would, um, I would have loved to have enjoyed it more um, because I did have a flurry of, of constant work. I knew I, like that when that was like two or three years like that. It was really, look, I was really like, it was a really... You were about to say lucky, lucky then, and I stopped myself, didn't I, because I was realising what I'd said before, and I thought, don't go back on it, Emma, stick to your guns. And um, I know what you mean, though, it's not I, luck. But. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was, I, I'd, re, it, well, I, yeah, maybe I'm going to, oh, all right, I'll go back on it, yeah, look. Um, but, like, and I didn't, I didn't know how, how fortunate I was at the time, and I, and I, and I was really self-doubting all the time, and, and, tangled up in wanting everything to be perfect all the time and I, sort of just that I, whole idea of like forgetting to smell the flowers when you when you're having a bit of su like a bit of success or a bit of a good time and success by the way doesn't necessarily have to mean you're in a big movie it could be you're down doing a performance over a pub but that can be success if it's yeah. a really great part that you, you really want to do love doing it. and you love doing it and you're yeah. working with great people yeah but you've got to smell the flowers and I I I wish I had a bit more. I think, Emma, uh, at 1 hour 57 minutes since we started, really this stop. is the longest oh my I've ever God, talked to I someone. told you that I just don't but, stop talking. But it has been, I was thinking as we were in hour and 20, I thought this could be really hard to edit because it's so much of it's been so good. And you, you kind of have covered a lot of stuff that I haven't had a chance to cover with other people in detail. It, it's really kind of, and I know at some moments, I don't know if it comes across, I think it will in the audio, but I've seen you kind of, go oh should I say this and I think on every occasion pretty much you have so thank you for being honest and oh, um, for offering your time well, bonus question though oh god no you can keep me longer now are you in anything at the minute no I'm not but hopefully by the time this comes out I will be now as you've probably already worked out although long that episode was not the full length of my conversation with Emma. When I listened back to it in the edit, it was mostly me talking absolute nonsense. So apologies, Emma, for putting you through that. But we ended up with one of the longest episodes, if not the longest episode, I think, that I've ever put out. And I think it's definitely worth those extra 10 minutes or so. For those of you who can put yourself through even more, there will be a third episode on Monday in just a few days' time. That's the return of the regular schedule, one episode every two weeks from then on. Now, before I go, I'm going to remind you one more time of the giveaway, which is at www.inanything.com forward slash giveaway. I understand, by the way, if you haven't already entered, I do, because you've probably been enjoying episode one and two back to back. They're done now. You should go, if you're an actor, to the website and enter the giveaway. It's free to enter. The prizes are worth over £500 www.inanything.com forward slash giveaway. Easy. Now, I'm just going to stop talking and fade up the music. Imagine 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.